0: Welcome to The Curriculum, a podcast by Cornerstones Education. Here we discuss all things curriculum, plus leadership issues, teaching tips and much, much more. Hello and welcome to another edition of The Curriculum. I'm Caroline Pudner, primary teacher and curriculum consultant here at Cornerstones Education. And today I'm joined by Catherine Scott, who's our curriculum manager and who oversees the creation of all of our lovely resources here at Cornerstones. Catherine's also been a teacher and a senior leader in school, so she's got lots of experience. Now, today's episode is all about what to consider when choosing teaching resources. And this is something that is a really crucial part of teaching and learning. I'm sure everyone will agree because it can make or break a lesson. Now, recently, resources have also been a hot topic in terms of their role in delivering a coherent curriculum. But before we get into the nitty gritty and some tips, let me first ask you, Catherine, to briefly describe your role here at Cornerstones. Hi, Caroline. Hello. It's nice
1: to be here today. I've got a wide-ranging role as leader of the curriculum team, and that's what we do. We work as a team all the time. We do lots of different jobs, but in order, what we do first is we research our uh, content, so what you need to put into a resource to be able to teach the lesson effectively. Then we decide, is, does that fit the programme of study? Is it going to deliver the lesson? And is it going to help teachers to deliver the information needed? Then I lead the team to look at different formats of resources. So is it going to be a set of pitch cards? Is it going to be an information text? What will be more suitable for that lesson? And then as part of that team, we've got really talented designers who then bring our ideas as curriculum writers to life. So they work on the format of resources, They might illustrate, they might uh, design different templates to make sure that each resource works for Mm -hmm. the lesson. Then we have what some people think is boring, but I quite like it—the editing mm-hmm. and improving of the work. Mm. So it goes through a lot of different checks, lots of editing, lots of proofing, lots of grammar checking until the resource is finalised, and then we upload it to the hub. Yeah. So it's it's a long process that the team members are all part of. But then that ensures that the resources are as good quality as as they can be. Yeah,
0: sure. And I mean, you you're writing. Uh, we'll go on to that later on about the range of different resources that you're writing and creating in your team but maybe before that we could step back and just think what is a teaching resource we, we download a lot and people are sort of printing out resources here there and everywhere but like making the question a bit wider what in your opinion is a teaching resource um a, a teaching resource is anything that enhances learning mm. and
1: enhances understanding in a lesson so anything that will add to the learning intention that you're hoping to uh, to get the children to understand or the skill you're wanting the children to pick mm. up, anything that helps that is a teaching resource. So sometimes we think of teaching resources as paper products, text to read mm. or photographs to look at. And they are and they're really important. But other things can be teaching resources. Objects are very important. Um, one mystery object to get children thinking can be really effective. Mm. People are fantastic resources and working with someone in school or a visitor that's coming into school to help you can be fantastic, especially if you have a really key conversation with them about what information they're going to deliver. Almost use the people as a resource and get them to, to deliver what you want the children to know. Yeah environments can also be brilliant resources as well the Mm. school playground the local field can be a fantastic resource for teaching and learning Mm.
0: there's so much actually written at the moment about outdoor learning and about using your environment not just for EYFS I've noticed it's for all age groups my child she's in year five and she's doing a lot of forest school type activity and that's the stuff she's coming home and and talking about you know is so it's yeah yeah, it's thinking wider than just like you said the paper-based resources it is
1: it's thinking outside the box and thinking how do they paper-based resources enhance what I'm delivering but not relying on those as they're the only thing that you Mm, can use having a good mixture of resources is very important
0: yeah I mean I'm wondering what why are resources important How, how important are they in terms of Say a school's curriculum, thinking about if they've got a curriculum in place, maybe they use cornerstones. How important, what role do the resources play within that? The resources add
1: to everything else that's happening in your lesson. Mm. So the organisation of your lesson is important. The teacher input is really important, but the resources have to support that and they have to give
0: to the lesson what you want them to. Yeah. And in fact, I, I read there was a I don't know if some of our listeners might be familiar with the report that had come out recently by policy exchange and it's all about coherent curriculums. We've written blogs on this so you can always look at our website uh, or look at the paper itself but a big feature of that report was resources and that was very interesting actually. It wasn't just about the curriculum it was saying you know, the ad hoc or, well, first of all, it was saying that resources are the final foot, I quote, yeah, final foot between the teacher and the child of what you want them to learn. And that's a really interesting way of seeing it. It is the last thing that they are interacting with, if yeah. you like, as well as you. So yes, it's crucial, I think, in this day and age to think about mm. about resources. And it's also important to use what
1: you can as well because mm. in that report, it was stated that not every resource should be written by a teacher by themselves no. because that takes forever. It, it takes mm. so long and it may not include what you want it to include. So the report was really key on good quality resources yeah. and using them in the right way was important. Yeah. It wasn't just saying that teachers have to work all the time to resource everything you can get really good stuff out
0: there yeah okay so having said all of that what do you think teachers and actually senior leaders if they're obviously senior leaders are also thinking whole school development and curriculum and the resources that they choose as a school what do you think those people need to consider when they're choosing the best teaching resources
1: I think the first thing they need to consider is what is being taught and that mm. might sound really obvious but they need to have that whole school curriculum focus that we've talked about in other podcasts yeah. before. They need to know what subjects are being delivered, they need to know what content they're wanting to deliver mm. and that's your starting point. If you know you are doing World War II in year six and you are covering x y and z topics in world war ii you need to know what resources you are going to use in those lessons so i think that's really important and it's not just for the teacher to know that it is for senior leaders to then think well if my children are going to have a good experience of learning about world war ii i need to provide the money for the resources I need to provide ways of getting those resources. So whether that's buying in excellent quality books that really are suitable for the children, they're at the right pitch and level for them to read themselves. It might mean you buy a resource pack. It might mean you subscribe to somewhere. So you might have a local museum service that senior leaders need to put money into and subscribe to Mm. so you can get a box of artefacts or objects to use. So I think that's absolutely key, Mm. that everybody is on board, that these are the subjects that are going to be taught over a good few years. So maybe senior leaders might need to think about we don't chop and change our curriculum. Mm. We get it sorted. We decide what we're going to teach and then we go for it. I also think there needs to be a good conversation between teachers and senior leaders about what they actually need and support for that. I also think if you are using written resources or you're buying a service where you have to print off resources, you need good printing equipment, you need colour photocopying. I know that can be a bit expensive, but if children are going to access good quality images...
0: Yeah, for certain ones, you can decide those do need to be in colour and those do need to be laminated, I suppose. You could do it like that, couldn't you? Yeah, and Mm.
1: support for that. To think that teachers make a decision about, yes, it is important if I'm going to teach an art lesson Mm. that these images are clear enough for the children Mm. to see. And then when it comes to choosing the resources, you need to make sure that each year group's resources have the correct pitch so they can access the information. They've got the correct look and visual stimulation. They don't want to be boring. They want to excite children and get them interested in what they're doing. And they need to work for the teacher and what the teacher wants to put forward. I think a key thing is a resource shouldn't lead what a teacher does. A resource Mm. should enhance what the teacher's wanting to deliver.
0: Yeah, Yeah, I I agree with that completely. And I think maybe there is a shift at the moment away from sort of knee-jerk, quick, let's download this, that and the other to support the teaching. There's definitely a shift away from that to taking a step back and for schools as a whole, like your curriculum lead, the subject leaders and of course the senior leaders to consider, you know, their resources as a whole. And I mean that, I'm sure it will avoid many pitfalls that a lot of us teachers have experienced where, for example, (laughs) I've the night before printed something off and then in the lesson I've realised there were errors in it, I've had to edit it. Um, Or that very familiar situation, which I don't know if you've been in, Catherine, where you've kind of like over-resourced the lesson. Oh, yeah. You know, in panic, (laughs) you've kind of like thought all right I need that that and that for these groups you can't fit it in (laughs) no and you can't literally you can't move on the tables for resources so it's when you take a step back and obviously here at Cornerstones you've got that privilege if you like to step back and think about the lesson and I've worked with you I know it takes a long time to think what is actually going to be needed in this lesson to enhance what the teacher's doing but if you haven't got time that's when these errors can happen and that's why some companies almost They're there, but you have to step back, I I would say. And that seems to be the message from Ofsted and from like the policy exchange and others. So, you know, hopefully that's moving in the right direction. Yeah. Now, thinking about our resources back here at Cornerstones, could you tell the listeners a little bit about what you've been creating with your team recently? And maybe also for people listening who don't know what the range of resources are that go alongside the curriculum, what, what kind of things that do you create? Well, we've
1: had a sort of two-step process, really, over the last year. We've reviewed all our existing resources and we've reformatted them. We've read the content, we've enhanced them, we've updated images and information. So the resources that teachers have been used to using at Cornerstones have been enhanced. But then we've had a, added a lot of different resources to right. each ILP now. So at the moment, on the Hub, we have over 3,000 resources for our ILPs, our learning projects. And there are about 30 resources that are really key teaching and learning resources for each ILP. Some have more, some have less. But there's a wide range of resources, lots of different things like information pitched to year group in lovely non-chronological reports, if I can say it. <laughs> it's
0: always a tricky one. <laughs> it's a bit one, of a tongue one.
1: twister. Yeah. But lots of lovely information, lots of beautiful picture cards and images, because that was one thing like you questioned before. It used to be images, I used to put pixelated images up on the board and they used to be horrible, the kids Mm. couldn't see anything in them. So I'm really keen on beautiful images that you can show the children and they can use them in all sorts of different subjects. But we have things like instructions, recipes, all sorts of teacher information now. That's something new that we've added, information to help the teacher understand the concept or the subject and then they can use that um, in their lesson. We've got investigations, we've got writing frames, especially for DT lessons and science lessons to help teachers structure the learning. Mm. So we've added a lot more to Mm. the hub resources and a wider range of structures and templates for those resources that make them interesting and more exciting.
0: Something I'm really excited by, because I'm English background, is the um, original stories and the poetry that's been researched and written there are fictional texts. There are myths. There's all sorts of wonderful things, and the designers have brought them to life. So, it, to me, if I was doing cornerstones now, it would save me so much time. Just even, even though I like writing, just having to write that amount of stuff as a teacher as well is really difficult. And to know it's been written by someone who's researched the facts as well, it's you know, it's it's really amazing what I've seen of the resources. I'm oh, you know very you. impressed. I just <laughs> want to take them and teach them but you know I can't but <laughs>
1: We've yeah. done so
0: much writing, so many
1: stories mm-hmm. so much text and really tried to pitch it to the year group yeah. because that was the thing that would take up my time as a teacher. I would want a story to teach a certain concept or yeah. idea and it didn't. And we've also done those stories in different ways in our younger ILPs we've got some read aloud stories okay, for yeah. the teacher to read to the children. Yeah. We've also got some nice role play scripts so if a teacher wants to dress up as Mary or Captain Mm. Cook they've got a role play script that they can actually use so you're not having to research all that information and feeling nervous about what you're going to say so we've really tried to spend time over this last year thinking about what teachers need but also we have responded to people who've um, written into us as well because mm. teachers do write into us with resource
0: mm. ideas so if we've been able to incorporate that in our work we have done yeah and the videos as well I've got a huge amount of videos that I've seen which uh, some are animated aren't they by the designers here and others are using real life images and narration so hopefully that's another way you can bring the lessons to life for the children they can be used in all sorts of ways can't they? They, totally and a,
1: and a short video of a person speaking or showing some exciting concept or or some yeah. images like the darwin really one. I Oh, I always yeah think
0: about that one the darwin's theory of evolution anything tricky as well it can be yeah. done in a video form is brilliant and that's so. a
1: shorter way of actually getting the information across as well it can be quite a succinct way yes. of, of showing and telling so yeah Yes, lots of different sorts of resources and they do take time to make of because course, yeah. that's what we know teachers haven't got. Yeah.
0: And out of all those resources, do you have a favourite, Catherine, as you as you're seeing them coming and writing them yourself? We you got anything that particularly stands out as one of your favourites? It's it's tricky to
1: say what is your favourite because a lot of our resources are quite unique. So um, one of my favourites is something about food chains, which I know doesn't sound very exciting. (laughs) (laughs) You might not have expected me to say that. But I used to find it so hard to teach children about food chains and who eats what Mm. because I could never work out who ate what because it's very complicated. Mm. So we've made a lovely Blue Abyss resource about food chains where you actually cut out some cards make them into tubes and slot them all together and because they slot into each other you can see who eats who and I just thought that's something that I would have wanted to use in school it would have made my life easier I also love the fancy texts we call them in the office but the non chronological reports because we can do a mixture of writing diagrams the designers can illustrate we can add photographs Mm. we can add labels and again, getting a book to do that for you can be tricky and you can't
0: share one book between 30 children. No. And you can't always be sure that the book is written for your year three. If you're teaching year three, exactly. you don't know if it's pitched right. right. Whereas I suppose when you're writing the resources, you know, this is a year three group. This is going to have to include these keywords, you know, the vocab they're supposed to be learning. And exactly. All that kind of and,
1: and even the sentence structure, yes. we, we yeah. know how the sentences should be structured and yeah. which grammar we're going to use in it so yeah that, that's really important but I also love the special diagrams we've done lots of things about science and geography mm. we've done some diagrams of the human body some skeletons again they might not sound the most exciting thing but if you've got it to hand and you're not having to, to
0: create create it, it yeah. yourself. Oh kids love skeletons, I'm sure they Well there's <laughs> lots of skeletons
1: around. <laughs> well, I also, some,
0: some kids like them. <laughs> they all have to learn about them. But yeah, if you can do it in a nice, colourful, age appropriate way, then exactly. that's, that's probably the better way to do exactly. it. Exactly.
1: Generally anything with design or illustration yeah. from one of our designers is is something that I yeah.
0: like. Oh <laughs> uh, well thank you, Catherine, for that. Now, just thinking back, because obviously you talked about the Cornerstones resources and obviously if you purchase the Cornerstones curriculum, you get those resources as part of your curriculum package. Even if you still use Cornerstones or if you don't use Cornerstones, are there any trusted places that you would recommend our listeners go to get you know, good quality teaching resources to enhance what they're doing?
1: Yeah, I, th- I think it's really important that everybody uses everything they can there isn't one place that will have resources that will cover absolutely yeah. everything. But there are some amazing websites and online things that you can actually use. Mm. The BBC is fabulous for videos. Mm. They have a lot of different videos on BBC bite size that you can use that are really age appropriate, really short and concise, mm. but but deliver mm. the message. I also love National Geographic videos mm. as well. The filming that they do, mm. the content, the places they get I to, know, the I've depth of the, the ocean. It's
0: awe-inspiring, isn't it? <laughs> totally. Yeah.
1: Totally awe-inspiring. And I think if a resource is going to, to work, it's, it's got mm. to in- inspire that awe and wonder. I also really love what we can access from our museums. Mm. A lot of museums have excellent services. The British Museum Mm. has got a brilliant sort of dino collection where you can get all your information about dinosaurs. Mm. The RSPB um, Mm. is a great place to get resources and the Wildlife Trust has excellent resources as well. So there's lots and lots that you can access. And if you know what you're looking for, if you know what you want to deliver, then you can look through their resources. I know.
0: And I suppose it's looking at those national or regional trusted organizations that we all know often the charitable trust definitely the canals and rivers trust i hope i've said that right but it's those sorts of places that you go to because yeah. they're the experts in their field aren't they yeah and often i have found and people have emailed us for uh, ideas for memorable experiences and often if you can't access their places their, their sites sometimes they they can um, send people out to school and do talks and bring objects and things into school so going back to that thing about resources being people and yeah and objects you know it's thinking again with with enough hindsight you can use these organizations and find out locally who are good people to make connections with it could be british heart foundation i've heard wonderful things with a school mm-hmm. who's made a big connection with them, raised money for them and got a defibrillator to put into their community. And, you know, there are loads of different places, like you say, to to access support and information.
1: And they are all passionate because Mm. that's what they do day in, day out. Most of these organizations do have educational teams. They do provide things that are suitable for children. And so really use those Mm -hmm. people. And I think you're right. A quick email to somebody in an organization might bear fruit. It might get a visitor. It might get an information pack. Yeah. sent sent to the door so really think about using yeah those things that are there already and people who really want to share
0: what yeah. they know. and just finally on that you know whole principle behind cornerstones is meaningful learning making the, the world that children live in making them connect to it so they're not just in a kind of microcosm in school their school is part of their community it's their place in the world the children's place in the world so finding out about jobs and about charitable organizations is is really good for that so i think that's a great point to end on in. and I know we could talk about this topic for a long long time but unfortunately we have run out of time now so it just remains for me to say thank you so much for taking the time out to come and talk to me today you're welcome <laughs> <laughs> at all. and to you listeners for joining us today as well thank you ever so much and don't forget if you haven't already done so to subscribe to these podcasts so you keep up to date with the latest primary curriculum topics and tips so until next time goodbye